and welcome to Clock and Talk, an Arsenal podcast. Get us that Clock and Underscore Talk. I am your host, Tiz. I'm back again. And this week I have Tony. How are you, buddy? Yeah, I'm good, thanks. Uh, quick day trip to Norwich today. Got back a couple of hours ago, so well worth tired, it. but well I'll worth crack on for the sake of the podcast because I'm such a hero. <laughs> Actually, um, I apologise. I, I, you might get a bit of feedback from me because it's 9am in the morning here and it's uh, a lovely 27 degrees and I'm sitting outside, so it might be a little bit of background noise, but... Fuck it, we'll get we'll get through it. And you wouldn't fucking believe who we wrestled up today, Tony. I thought we someone won a competition to appear on the podcast. <laughs> and that bloke is Schwinn. How are you, buddy? Oh, very good, very good. It's been it's been a while, and I apologize for my absence. But you know, now that that fucking idiot has left our club, I thought it's time to oh. you know, dust up the old headphones and and jump on the pod and and just glee in the happiness that is the absence of Unai Emery. <laughs> now, before we get into, uh, obviously, the Norwich game, we will talk about the sacking of Emery. I do apologise. We were going to, and Tony can clarify this with me, we were going to do a podcast. Um, we were looking at last Friday something. Now, I will. the reason I apologise, I wasn't involved in negotiations and time zones. That was all Schwinn. So Schwinn actually put up in the WhatsApp group, let's do a podcast, and let's just say Schwinn couldn't organise a fucking route in a brothel. So. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like Schwinn, Schwinn says let's do a podcast and then gives you two time options that are like, let's do 4.57am or 11.34pm and I can't do any other time and if you're a minute late, I'm just doing it. That, that's pretty much how these negotiations go. Um, uh, yeah, that, that, that's pretty much what happened. Uh, but I will hold my hands up and say I didn't really see the value in doing one anyway. So his obscure times gave me an excuse to be like, oh no, can't do that one. <laughs> so you I, didn't I want to argue, but no, I, I can't because it, you guys are absolutely right. I mean, that's just how I... How strapped time I am right now. <laughs> okay, so for those who did ask, have we got a podcast out about the sacking? No, we don't. We will cover it in this one. So, Tony, let's get on with it, mate. Um, yeah, news during the week. Well, let's go back to the Frankfurt game. Um, you know, the writing was on the wall well before then. We spoke about it last, last show. Uh, the results were never going to go in Emery's favour. And, what, 24 hours after that game, he was out. Not even, I think about 12 hours after the final whistle. It was painful. I mean, the players, again, just didn't look interested or looked confused, didn't know what they were doing, whatever whatever excuse or reason you want to label on it. Um, by all accounts, uh, or I'm led to believe, that they'd agreed to sack him on Monday, not to him, but they'd agreed that he would no longer be the manager, but they wanted to keep him in there while they were finding a replacement just to try and keep things sort of steady. And then that result, that level of performance that emptiness from the crowd uh, just just made them realise that it can't really get any worse. What's, what's the worst case in getting rid of him and, and letting Freddie have it? Um, so I think, although he was a dead man walking, so to speak, that that game was the someone pulling the trigger. Yeah, Schwinn, um, <sighs> I, I, I haven't spoke to you for a while regarding Arsenal and stuff, but your opening statement was, you think, fuck, he was out and gone. What, what what legacy does he leave at Arsenal? Does he does he does he look at this eighteen months and think, look, I wish I could tear that one out of my resume and move forward? Um, and what what would you know? 
what do you think of, uh, what would remind you of that 18 months of Emery, I suppose? Is there anything you can take positive out of it? I want to. I want to because, I mean, to fill Arsene Wenger's shoes is not an easy task. You know, the, the man came into a job which obviously was going to put a lot of expectation on him, despite there being some realism that there is a lot to do here. But, I mean, I don't want to bring in numbers into the equation, but I sort of have to because when you look at the underlying numbers, it's pretty horrific. You know, the amount of shots we've conceded, the amount of goals we've conceded. And on, on the flip side, not really scored a whole lot despite some of the best attacking talent in the league. When you look at Aubameyang, Lacazette, and to an extent, Mazzard So, you, I mean, you have to sort of balance it out by by levying the realism versus the expectation. But in hindsight, you have to say that it, it just wasn't the right fit. Uh, he was a lot more pragmatic than our squad could have afforded to be. And despite some of, you know, some of the new signings, despite spending quite a lot of money, it just didn't quite work for him. I mean, I think Lucas Torreira's career sort of encapsulates Unai Emery's time at the Arsenal. Started off bright, you know, some really good spots there, and then sort of just faded away. And uh, to me, even Torreira's ex- exclusion from the squad, particularly this season, has been quite shocking. I mean, the man hasn't completed 90 minutes so far in the Premier League, and that's someone that we you know, thought could really be a, a, a critical part of the team. For me, it was underwhelming at the beginning, and I think in the last 18 months, that's only been highlighted even more. Tony, I was talking to a guy, a uh, mate of mine the other day. I was, uh, believe it or not, I'm allowed to have one beer, so I sat there and had a beer, and we spoke a bit about Arsenal. But uh, he doesn't follow football, and, and his question was, how come they sacked Emery? And I, I got thinking to myself, and I, I thought, well, there's obviously a number of factors that I could go into that you probably wouldn't understand, tactics and things like that. But to sum it up, I, I just don't think he was the right fit for Arsenal, as Schwinn just said. And I started thinking, like, you know, he's a, he's a manager from Spain. We've got Sabias in the team and uh, what? Hector. Hector um, is the other one. And, and, I, and I started thinking, well, I think it might have come down to a communi- bit of a communication breakdown. Like, he wasn't the most strongest... English speaker, um, some of the press conferences we couldn't understand. When he's on the sidelines, I, I thought, well, how many of them players can actually understand what instructions he's shouting out? And, and then at half time in the dressing room, and he's and he's hot under the collar, and he's trying to get out as much information as he can in the in the couple of minutes they've got to send out his troops again with instructions. I just think the communication breakdown was one of the major points. I mean, that, that's been an excuse that's been banded around. And look, obviously, I don't know. We can all have our your two cents worth, my two cents worth. For me, I, I think, look, his accent was very strong. And, and he said some things that were not difficult to understand. Like when he said evening, you knew what he meant. It just sounded funny. I think his English were good enough. I, I don't think that's an excuse. But I, I know I'm in the minority with that. Um, I just, I don't know if it was just a bad fit, his style of management. It's a difficult one because if he, if he would have only had the severe job, you would have known it was a bad fit. The sort of underdog, the plucky underdog, they defend for their lives, they catch teams on the break. They, they, you know what I mean? It's a surprise for them or they've done really well to come fourth or fifth in Spain. I think what's throwing everyone is that because he was at PSG and he was winning, he won the treble, obviously, including that treble is a league title. Uh, got to, I'm not sure if it was the quarterfinal of the Champions League twice, beat Barcelona and Real Madrid. 
at home in in the in the Champions League and then got embarrassed away both times. Um, and you kind of thought, like, okay, there's something different. And I think it just might not have been a right fit from the start. Um, the way kid you care campaign that that type of launched and they're probably patting themselves on the back that uh they were again an influence on arsenal's making a decision your thoughts no i mean like everyone knew as i said by all accounts it was done on monday and i think that that came on near wednesday and he was sacked on the friday uh I, look I, I had a lot to say about the weekend you campaign last time and thinking it was nonsense and i kind of still stand by that but at least this time it's been a bit more this is what we want whereas last time it seemed like we're making noise for the sake of it and then if anything good happens we're going to claim credit mm. my, my biggest complaint about it last time was what do you want because it moaned about a b and c okay we all have these moans and frustrations but what what is your aim what do you want to achieve and, and last time that really wasn't clear i mean everyone presumed it was just spend more money and i don't think it was but when we did spend money that that came campaign kind of stopped for a bit so it didn't it didn't look too good this time, as I said, I think that I don't know if they learned from feedback from last time that it seemed a lot more specific. We need better structure. We want this. We want that. And look, I'm not one that thinks fans should have too much of a say. And because you do end up with just people throwing their toys out of the pram every time that they don't get what they want. And that's where, well, definitely Arsenal, but I think where modern football is going, which for me is a shame. I don't really like it. But if they're going to do it, at least make it clear, which they have done. As I said last time, it was just a bit of a rant and they made it look official by putting a few Twitter accounts names on it. Okay, well, we can mark the end of Unai Emery and uh, thank you for your time at the Arsenal. And Schwinn, uh, caretaker, Freddie comes in, mate. Your thoughts on that? He, he, it was, and forget about today's game for a minute, but just put yourself on, okay, Freddie's stepping up. Would you want another caretaker in place? I think it's the right thing to do in the short term. Uh, you know, he's been with uh, Emery for a bit now. And if, 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 if Arsenal decided to make a different appointment as a caretaker, it sort of rubs fairly the long way. Someone who's obviously been with us, uh, been at the club for a long time, you know, now with the academy, of course, he'd spent some time before being promoted to the first team. Uh, and I think it's fair to say that we are looking for someone, um, you know, not just at the end of the season, but someone to come and do the job to take care for the rest of the season and beyond. So to bring in another caretaker manager probably wouldn't have been the right decision. Uh, while we hunt for someone more permanent, I think the search is well underway. And of course, there's a lot of names being banded around so far. But uh, I'm excited to see what Freddie can do in the short term. I think I'm not going to you know go beyond and say that he is the one, but I think he's he'll be all right for the short term. And it, it might push us to, to make a decision on a permanent move uh, much faster as well. If Freddie Schwinn got you top four this season, is it fair to say he should take over next season? No, not for me. I mean, we, we usually use those benchmarks, but for me, that's just not good enough. Uh, and not in terms of top four, but we have to understand that there is, you know, obviously a big change in mood that comes in after a new manager comes in. And more importantly, once the old nemesis is gone from the training round, and that might push the players to do better. Again, ignoring what happened today, that might push the players to do better. But at the end of the season, 
if we get top four, thank you, Fetty. You know, if you're you're more than welcome to still have you around in whatever capacity you'd like. But in terms of a long-term manager for the success we we need and we sort of crave at this point, we need someone a bit more experienced and someone who's been around for a longer time. Same my, same my question worry. to you, Tony. But I want to. Oh, oh, sorry. Same question to you. But I'm going to say he wins Europa League and top four. I mean, my my worry. I don't want him near anywhere near that long. And and this is one of the things that's worrying me that they're going to kind of cop out of making a decision and just leave him there. Whether it be the case of oh, we think top four's gone, so he might as well give him the experience. Or look, if he gets there, and whether he wins Europa League or not, if he gets there, you've got to keep him because. As a club, we pretty much only have one aim: is to get in the Champions League. And if he does that, you can't go. You can't really say, "Well, we're getting rid of you for someone else to only try and get us in the Champions League." It was a bit. I know it's completely different, but it was a bit like when Di Matteo won the Champions League with Chelsea. They didn't want him there, but he's just won the Champions League. Can't get rid of him. Um, but for me, I don't want. I don't want Freddie where anywhere near the job for that long. And I think he will be, and it's something that that does worry me. I mean, if it was up to me, I would be I'd be searching as hard as I can and get him out of there ASAP. And that's nothing against him, but he just doesn't have the level of experience. Or I mean, we don't know about ability, but you'd imagine if he had the level of ability, there'd be teams knocking the doors down in for in years gone by, and there never has been. So look, I hope he can rejuvenate the team, get a bit of fun factor in the squad, get go back to basics. I think that's something we really need to do. Um, and I hope he can do all that. But to be honest, if he's here any more than three games, I'll be disappointed. Well, yeah, okay. No, inter- interesting. Very interesting. Um, well, let's get on to this Norwich game because uh, it, I'll be honest, it type of shocked me, the team lineup, Tony, that did come out. But then listening to what you just said and understanding that Freddie does want to get these players back on side and, and um, obviously playing for the badge again, Mustafi was, was uh, in the team. Uh, Willock was back. Is this uh, Klasenac? He was back. Is this due to you think that hey, let's give these guys a bit of confidence? Uh, I don't know. Look, I didn't think it was the best lineup, um, and there was a few weird ones. I wasn't at all surprised with Willock. Obviously, he knows him very well from last season, and Willock was probably his star man last year. When you think that um, Smith Rowe and Nelson were both out on loan. Um, you could argue Saka, but he was only 17 last year, so he probably didn't feature as much as um, as Willock did. So I wasn't too surprised about Willock. Kolasinac can kind of be explained by Tierney playing 90 midweek. I guess that semi makes sense. Mustafi one was was baffling. Uh, I, I, you know what? Without obviously, I know what happened today, but. He's probably he was probably our best defender on Thursday. He's probably been our best defender every time he's played. So from that that angle, you can kind of think, well, does he deserve a chance? I, I thought the formation was wrong. I thought the certain things were wrong. Um, for me, as much as I'm an Ozil fan, you play him at ten or not at all. I, I think I've always said that. And playing him on the left just baffles me. He's not going to run and beat a defender, and and it just it leaves you really narrow and pretty much without pace. I thought it was a really weird selection. I I didn't really know. I looked at it and thought, what are you trying to do? How, again, I always map out how are we trying to play? Like To be fair to Emery, as much as I didn't like him, in the first, say, four months or five months, we used to laugh and joke about it, saying we're cut back FC. But you could see how what we were trying to do, get it to the fullbacks overlap and cut it back. Okay, it was a bit too much 
emphasis on it. We were trying to do it all the time, but at least you kind of knew what the idea was. I looked at that team today and thought, like, this is before the game, and I thought, how do we score? Like, what, what's our, especially with Ozil on the left, and you thought, well, we're not really going to play through the middle. Are we going to hope they play high up and then get Bamiyang to run in behind? But then he was wide. I just looked at it and I thought, what, what's the plan? And I've, I've now watched the game and I'm, I'm still not sure. Is Pepe actually, like, he's in, you know, he hasn't been the, the bee's knees since he's come to Arsenal. You could blame Emery for that. You could blame Pepe for that due to, obviously, no form at the moment. Um, do you reckon Freddie looked, looked at him and said, well, yeah, I'm going to bring you back in slowly? That's why you're on the bench today. That was a weird one for me. You, you spoke about yes. Ozil. I, I, don't, I don't know if he's carrying an injury, and I'm not making an excuse for him, but on Thursday, he did not warm up at all. Like he, he, I know he was named on the bench, but I didn't actually physically see him. So if someone said to me, oh, actually, he wasn't there, they just named him on the bench for banter, I couldn't argue. Uh, today, obviously, he did warm up. Um, he didn't come out at half-time, though, so usually the subs come out and just mess up. I mean, yeah, it's not a hard warm-up, they just come and kick a ball around. But he didn't come out at half-time. He was the only one that didn't. Uh, when he was warming up on the touchline, I think he just walked up and down. So I don't know if it was a selection thing or if he's carrying an injury. What I don't understand is if he is carrying an injury, why he was on the bench for both both games. It, it is a weird one, and I've been saying this for the last few weeks. Against Palace a few weeks ago, and maybe the game after that, or I can't remember, our game plan was literally give Pepe the ball and hope. And he done okay. Like nothing... Nothing spectacularly wrong, nothing spectacularly brilliant. And then the next game he got dropped, and I don't think he's played since. Oh, he played against Vittoria, where he didn't play great, but he got an assist. And it's sort of like, how can someone go from being your go-to guy to, to not featuring at all, not even being one of your three subs that come on? It all seems a bit weird, and, and maybe they don't fancy. Maybe Freddie just thinks, I don't know you yet. I've not really worked with you enough to, to put you in my team, where he knows... People like uh, Lacazette, Aubameyang, Ozil, obviously Saka, better. I don't know what it is. It does seem a bit of a strange situation. Look, maybe they just don't think he's good enough. Mm-hmm. Uh, Schwinn, your thoughts on all that and the team lineup when you saying that come pop out, mate? A bit strange, of course. I mean, we have to say that everything we say from here on out is with the knowledge that you know Lindbergh has had just one training session ever since taking over. So obviously we're all, we're going to be critical at times as, as Tony just was, but that's obviously with the lens that the man hasn't really had, you know, like 24 hours even to work with the team. Uh, but having said well, that, there were would obviously... You play, would you play Aubameyang right and Ozil left? Because you've had no sessions and I'm pretty sure you wouldn't do that. And see, that's exactly what I was coming to, that th- there are mistakes he made. And w- what's baffling, as you said, Tony, is that he played on, he played Mez on the left and that's even weirder because you're having to shoehorn Aubameyang on, on the right when easily you could have switched them. Not, you know, not even throughout the game, but let them be a bit more fluid and, and let them sort of you know, move around as, as the game progresses. But there was none of that. And it, it was surprising. Um, so was Mustafi's in- inclusion for, for, for my money. Not quite sure what, what that was banded about, uh, for what reason that was on there. But as you said, you know, more importantly, the system was still wrong. Um, we struggled a lot to get out. You know, the amount of time Norris were able to press us successfully uh, was a bit strange. And again, you know, I say this again and again that it's been 24 hours since he's taken over. But you'd expect to ch- him to change a few things, which he just didn't seem to 
you know, quite bring himself to do. Uh, so quite a few question marks, some bright spots here and then, uh, in, particularly in terms of us pressing them uh, when the ball was in, our, in, in their final third, but not, not good enough still. Yeah, the only thing I can think with the Mustafi is that hey, he, he's been ex- excluded from the teams under Emery, except Europa League, and maybe this is. I I feel sorry for you, and you're back in the you're back in my squad. You know, it's the only thing I can put it down to. But anyway, uh, let's get into the match, Tony. Um, <laughs> wasn't wasn't far, uh, what twenty first minute, and Norwich get a goal, go up one nil. Yeah, I mean, look, the first 20 minutes, I thought we were very good. We, we looked confident. We moved the ball well. We created a couple of chances. Look, I've, again, I'll say this now. I've not seen the game back, so I've only seen what I saw when I was there. Uh, it was the other end of the ground, but for me, it looked like Lacazette missed an absolute sitter from a deflection, I think, from a Willock shot. I may be wrong. It may have been a really hard chance, but it looked very easy, and, and that should have put us 1-0 up. But our, our defence throughout the game was absolutely horrific. Um the first chance they got really, Pukki's got two defenders. It's not even a good ball to him. First off, Mustafi should cut out the ball. Then Pukki gets the ball and Mustafi goes the wrong way. I don't know why he's done that. He then starts pointing out wide. So Louise seems like he thinks he's got a problem out wide when the guy was so far away and just not a danger. He should have been ignored. For me, they both should have pressed on him. And look, if Pukki goes through two of you and scores, hold your hands up. Well done. Too good. But they just let him decide what he was want to do. One backed off, like Mustafi backed off and didn't engage him. Louise went wide when there was no danger there. And then look, the shot gets a big deflection, but it's just horrific defending. And I always moan about the system. And there is system issues there. It's one straight ball and, and we're in trouble and the guy wide was free and whatnot. But that is also just terrible individual defending and decisions. I can't. There's a lot of defensive wise I can sort. Of, well, I don't know if I can blame Freddie for it, but if it was Emery, I'd be blaming him. And and you can look to the to the system, but on that you just think that is just rank. Well, we've got to look from... at the players now. We, you know, we've got to look at them really. Like they were fucking hopeless, hopeless under Emery, and now they're hopeless defending under Freddie. And, and yeah, look, as Shrewd said, they've both. had one session, and most of them wouldn't have even trained properly because they played Thursday. But there, there was just things that are wrong but for that goal I mean Chambers is horrendously out of position as he was for pretty much the whole game literally I don't know what he was doing out there um, and then and then the two the two centre-backs it's just it's just piss poor and look, I'm not one of these people that blames Mustafi for everything and there are people that are but I literally have no idea what he was doing I, I, I don't know why he didn't cut the ball out I don't know why he told Luis to go wide I don't know why he switched and he went left and, and told Luis to go right and then I don't know why he backed off it was it was just baffling, and again, I can't blame Freddie for that. That is just a, an individual or two or three individuals' mistakes. Mm-hmm. Um, 29th minute, Schwinn, we go up with the Bemiang one-one, and a strange way for for that to happen as well. I mean, when does the pendulum really swing our way? How often does that happen? You know, it, it's it's not very often, is it? I mean, we usually get the the bitter edge uh, of the sword, but Lucky, very, very lucky. Uh, Tim Cool, as we know, is very good on the spot when it comes to saving penalties. And uh, we saw a little bit of theatrics from his side. And I, I wasn't really uh, concerned. I thought Aubameyang is you know, usually pretty calm. He's a composed finisher. But obviously, that wasn't the case on the first go. But then in steps VAR because of encroachment. And we get a second crack at it. 
And I loved how pissed off Tim Cool was after that. You know, he tried to make a point. I was secretly hoping that he's going to get another card, but I think the referee knew that it's just the heat of the moment and he let him pass. But lucky that we got that encroachment. Lucky it was spotted and something that VAR decided to pull up and, you know, give us another opportunity on. What's... Won't happen very often. Yeah, it doesn't happen much. It was a handball, by the way. Was it a penalty? I've not seen it. No, it was, it was a handball. Yeah, I'm saying yeah, for me it was. Sorry, for yeah. me it was. I mean, you could argue would, that would Far overturned it if it wasn't given. Not for me. Not for me. I think it would have been given. I think it was very, very clear. And 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 to your point, Tony, your your earlier point, even Lacazette's chance for me, it should have been. I think he just scuffed it. I think that's what happened. He he had a bit of pressure on him, and the defender did well to sort of get a body, you know, uh, on him. But he should have buried that. Yeah, I mean, it, as I said, I'm, I'm 80 yards or more, 100 yards away, but it looked very, very easy, to be honest. Yeah, I was going to I was yeah. glad you cleared that up, Schwinn, because I was thinking exactly the same. Um, with, with, yeah. uh, with the penalty, I think, because Tim Krul saved two against Man United a couple of weeks ago, and when they, they really highlighted how much he came off his line, mm. and I think usually, because that's in their minds now, it wouldn't have even been looked at. I mean, and he was like a hair's breadth off his line. Some people, Most people in the ground thought, that's what it was retaken for. That's the only mm. bit of the game I've seen back. And there was encroachment, but I'd, be, I'd feel really hard done by it if it was the other way around, to be honest. Mm. It, it is one of those things. But, you know, as, as, as the law states, uh, if you get pulled up on it, then it, you, you can't really be sour for it. Uh, well, it's I something think, that uh, doesn't I, get... I, yes and no, I, I kind of agree and disagree. You're right, as the law states, but... When a law is never, ever upheld, and then the one time it is upheld, you can't go, oh, well, I broke the law. It kind of does feel like you can be sour about it. Oh, yeah, yeah I, I mean, felt sorry for the words Tim. right out of my mouth, because that's exactly what I was going to say. Sorry, Taz, but yeah, no, it, it's the right. consistency, isn't it? That it's sometimes it's selectively applied. And, and to make matters worse, sometimes it's not even pulled up, despite it being something that the commentators are talking about. Look, we don't know what the referees are having a conversation about, and most times when it comes to VAR, uh, for all we know, they could have pulled this penalty up because the referee thought Tim Krul was uh, a bit away from his line. And we're sitting here talking about encroachment. But uh, you're you're absolutely right. The, the, the law is not just an encroachment, but sort of across the board get applied selectively. And that's what's really, really confusing to spectators in the stadium and out of it. Uh, just before halftime, Tony Norwich go up again, mate. 2-1. Yeah, I mean... Just, again, brain dead. I mean, we've been brain dead for way before Emery and probably since the Invincibles. It's like, I know there was quite a bit of added time, but just keep sensible. Don't do anything stupid. We give the ball away. Callum Chambers' positioning. I, I like Callum Chambers, so I don't mean to hammer him, but it was one of the worst individual displays I've ever seen. Going forward, he couldn't keep the ball. Defensively, he was out of position at all times. Like that close to half time, I don't know where he's going. I don't know what he was doing. Obviously, they've played the ball in Campbell. It's a good finish, but again, I don't know. I think it was Mustafi. Why he's let him run onto it, like closing down. I don't know if he's so scared of fouling him that he lets him do what he wants. As I said, it's a very good finish, but just more brain dead. Like there's there's nothing more Arsenal than that. No, it's fucking frustrating to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> and this is why, look, and I, I know Darren's not here to defend himself at the moment, but this is why I wouldn't have minded uh, Mourinho coming in for 12 months or two years. But, you know, that, that ship's well and truly sailed. But just the fucking decisions these defenders make, it just, 
Like, they're on fucking good money. They're professional sportsmen. They're professional football players. What the fuck's going on? It doesn't matter up to me. Makes no sense. Um, 57th minute, Schwinn. Uh, Bemian gets another one. We go up 2-2. Lucky, uh, I'd say. Uh, I think some of the Norwich players got distracted by the, the other ball being thrown into play from the crowd. But it did show that. I wasn't, I've wasn't. i not seen anyone moan about it, so I wasn't sure if they showed it on TV. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you could see it directly from uh, where the broadcasting camera was. And you could tell that certain players, you know, sort of turned their shoulders uh, just to look at it. I mean, they knew where the actual ball in play was, but it, you can't help but get distracted by it. And that's exactly what happened. Emphatic finish, I have to say. Aubameyang with, um, with I mean, unstoppable. There's no other word for it. Um, but, I mean, I'm trying to think as I'm talking about this goal, is there really anything else to talk about from this half other than that no, one goal? Nothing, mate. Oh, Absolutely nothing. I think, oh, <laughs> I think there's quite a bit, but not in terms of incidents. Just to, um, so am I right in thinking that under the letter of the law, that goal should be disallowed? It had been the most unjust I'll thing ever. I'll be honest, ever. Tony, before they actually went back, the commentators went back on the TV in, well, where I was, um, and looked at it about five minutes later. At the time of the goal, the commentators didn't mention it. And I noticed the ball coming on the field, and I thought, hello, this is going to be disallowed here. And it just top went through, and nobody really mentioned it over here. And then all of a sudden, five minutes later, they looked back at it. So I was wondering, and Schwinn, I'm not sure what, obviously, your coverage was like and the commentators, but did they pick it up later and then think, oh, maybe? Like, was it too late? I'm not sure. Uh, I, I'm not. I mean, we haven't really heard about that much. Um, I, I, in my opinion, I don't know the letter of the law. I should say I don't know what the rules state explicitly. But it, I would agree with Tony. That's something that you would pull up and you'd ask the corner to be taken again. But I'm not quite sure what happened. I'm not sure how you enforce something like that. You know, usually cool. it's the ball boys who will try and fetch the ball back. Uh, did uh, you see? The, someone... Did you do you know the whole situation? What happened? I think I the, when the ball went into, I think when the ball went out for a corner, someone just held it, didn't they? No, they were throwing it about the stand for literally about a minute. So they got another ball back, and then of course, as soon as the corner comes in, they throw mm. it back on the pitch. And I don't know. For me, as far as I know, again, I don't hundred percent know the rules, but from what I think, that should be disallowed. Obviously, I'm not moaning about it. But I think the ref just thought, "You're su-, like to their fans, you're such pricks." Like, yeah. There's just, there's no justice in disallowing that goal because you've been bare lens. It's not like it's come on accidentally. You know exactly what you're doing. Like, and, yeah. and I was saying, because me and my mate that I was with were saying, like, yeah, we think that should be disallowed, probably, by the letter of the law. And I said, yeah, but then everyone would just start taking footballs or tennis balls. Like, if you can't sneak a football in, sneak a tennis ball in or a mini football. And as soon as the other team has an attack, uh, oh, they're breaking through in the last minute. The ball gets launched on, launched on the pitch. I don't... It, it'd be interesting to know the actual rule. I'm surprised... I, I, I looked back on Twitter after the game and I read back all the way through when I got home and there's not a single mention of it. That's why I just assumed they hadn't shown it on TV. No, it was yeah, there. Yeah, I mean, they showed it pretty clearly on my yeah, end. Yeah, it was there. But like I said, it was a couple of minutes later until they looked back at it on a replay. Um, and when they would look back at it, they said, oh, it was no interference of play. You know, it was obviously over to the to the right-hand side and it was, it was well out of everyone's way and whatnot. So I was wondering... Either a they've, they've picked it up too late and not realised, and 
I don't know whether time's gone on or or B, it was just no interference. I don't know. I think I think you make an interesting point there, Tony. I mean, this is sort of where the subjective nature of the game comes in. I mean, I think it's fair to speculate that if it was the Arsenal fans who held on to the ball and they threw it in, uh, the goal would have been disallowed. But because it was the Norwich fans sort of kicking their own team in the nuts, so to speak, the ref was like, well, too bad. You guys are distracting our own players. And maybe it is for that reason that we didn't see the Norwich players really argue with the ref because they sort of knew that, well, what are we going to really say about this? Yeah, just obviously that there's no real room for subjectiveness in the rules. I, I, I don't know the rule. Yeah. It'd be interesting to find out if by the letter of the law that goal should have been disallowed. Mm. Okay, yeah, boys. If someone knows, get in touch. Let us know. Yeah, clock in underscore talk. Um, okay, three, two, one. Tony Gibbs. Can I, can I just, yeah. just say, after that goal, we were utterly shite for the rest of the game. Like, the worst we've been in weeks. I'm not even going. To, I wasn't even going to go through that, or wasn't even going to talk. Well, about the Trent says, is there anything else to discuss? I mean, yeah. in terms of in, oh, actually, <laughs> Leno made an outrageous save from when yeah. when Luzi made a mistake and they broke through one on one. I mean, he made a few good saves, but one when they broke through one on one, he made with his left hand was absolutely unreal. Yeah, absolute class that one. I mean, we have to say Granit and Guendouzi both made errors leading to, into that uh, that chance, but. I, I was convinced that was going in. I was absolutely convinced. I had the perfect yeah. angle and was just like, oh, that's a goal. It's interesting because I read the tweet that said basically Xhaka and Gwendouzi both made big mistakes for that. And I, from what I remember or what I saw or everyone in the ground was just like, what the fuck is Gwendouzi doing? No one blamed Xhaka, which is obviously anyone who's been or watches us on TV knows that Xhaka gets blamed for breathing at times. So I, again, I don't overly know what people are on about, but no one there picked up on it. I don't know if his mistake was Gwendouzi's was worse or just because Gwendouzi's was closer to the the shot going in that people blamed him. Um, but yeah, I did read a tweet saying similar. Okay. Um, so, Tony, give us your three, mate. Leno. Schwinn. Oba. Mm, yeah, I'm going to say Bamiang as well. Fucking some cunt's going to mow his fucking lawn now, you miserable cunt. Man's trying to fucking record a podcast over here, you cunt. <laughs> uh, two points, Tony. Uh, Bamiyang, I, I thought he was like trash, to be honest, but you get two goals, you get rewarded. Schwinn. Leno. Yeah, I'm going to say Leno as well. Fucking hell. Um, Tony, you won. Uh, Xhaka. Uh, I thought Xhaka was comfortably our best outfield player, to be honest. I thought by an absolute distance, but obviously, as I said, Bamiyang's got two goals. You can't really leave him out, and, and obviously, Leno's not outfield. Um, and as I said, Xhaka got, got a really good reception. Not reception in terms of Clappy's name, but everyone after the game was like, oh, Xhaka played really well, blah, blah, blah. There was no real criticism of him, which I don't know if people are going so far the other way to try and prove that they're not, they weren't dickheads before. They were. Um I don't know if people are now being too nice, but it was one nice to t- see, but two very surprising. Go on, Schwinn, give us your one. Granted for everything that Tony just said. Should I say Mustafi because we feel sorry for him? No, <laughs> no. shit. No, uh, no I'm going to go Granite as well. Pookie had him on toast throughout oh, no. the game. He did, he did. 
Um, but I'm just still baffled on why he was even in the team. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm going to say Granite as well. I, you know, I, I read a few. Oh, fuck off, cunt. Fair dinkum. Um, anyway, <laughs> I, I read a few. I might have been in the WhatsApp group or Twitter. A couple of people were complaining about the Gwendozy Granite uh, lineup, which we know Torreira and Granite probably go better together. Um, and a few people were whinging about Granite sitting back so deep. He's probably not that player. So, but anyway, I thought yeah, I thought he won quite a lot of tackles. I thought he was good. Today. I thought he was alright. Yeah, yeah. And it was you know he come back after the shit fight that went on with him the last couple of weeks. So, yeah. Um, anyway, let's move on to some questions, Tony. But I'm just going to take a quick break, mate, because I'm going to move. Okay, you can get your questions to us at clockhand underscore talk on Twitter. We usually throw that thread up, uh, usually after the game or a couple of hours after, depending on when we record. So, Schwinn, you're going to get the job today reading some questions out, buddy. Yeah, I'll, I'll start off. Uh, Hakon, of course, uh, a regular listener, he says, what's going on with Pepe? Just can't understand why he's so out of favour. We spent a lot of money on one of the most exciting talents in Europe, and he's rotting on the bench. That's something we've sort of covered already. Uh, unless, Tez, you want to add something? Because we got Tony's opinion on that. Oh, I, I can't work it out at all. I, I really can't. The only thing I can put it down to is, is form. Um, and he didn't really feature with Emery, but then he did come out. And it seemed like, well, that was the, as Tony said, that's the tactics we're using. Get the ball to Pepe and do whatever you can. I, I have to question whether... It was an Emery signing um, because it just seemed like they didn't know how to use him. And I, mm. I just I think maybe that is still the case. Freddie, obviously, he's in as caretaker. Does Freddie know much about him? Does Freddie know how to use him? Like, that's the only thing I put it down to. Look, form, I'm not going to be too, too harsh on him on form because, you know, let's face it, it is his first um, time in England. So we type of give Torreira a bit of bit of credit, and we give these players a bit of a bit of leniency when they've come over to England. So I can't. I need to see at least another season of him, but I need I need to see a manager who knows how to use a Pepe as well. Yeah, I think it's best just to sort of wait and see what happens. Uh, you know, Tony, of course, is someone who's at the stadium, and he. He saw the dynamics when it came came to warming up, so it could be that he's just carrying a little bit of a knock. So so let's wait on that. Uh, but Hakon continues and he says the lack of athleticism in this team is is amazing. How could we allow the squad to turn out this way, Tony? Yeah, I, I think I, I said that to my mate, and I think it was late on in the first half, where obviously because Aubameyang's playing wide, he's dropping short, and then you have got Lacazette playing up against a centre back, but. They were defending higher and higher because Lacazette is absolutely no threat in behind. That's fair enough. We know that. He's, he's an interfeat guy. But you have to keep Aubameyang close if you're going to do that to stop them. Because then it makes Lacazette's job impossible because they push up so high that the, the midf- there's a very small gap between the, the centre-backs and the midfield. So his first touch has to be perfect. Otherwise, he's just going to bounce back to their centre-midfield. I think the... We only really had one player on the pitch that could run. I mean, look, Guendouzi runs around, but I mean, he's not quick. Willock caused problems early on running from deep because he's quick. Aubameyang was too far away. But uh, I don't think you need loads of blistering pace in a team. I just think you have to utilise it correctly. 
As I said, if you put Aubameyang next to Lacazette, then their defence automatically has to drop 20 yards. Otherwise, you're just going to get in time and time again. And then it makes Lacazette's job a lot easier, which then brings other people into play. And it, it makes the gap between the lines bigger, which in theory then gives Ozil an easier game. More space for Guendouzi, more, play, uh, more space for Willock, which then leads to more... You can give the ball out wide easier because the players have got more time to give it and the players can get in the box. It all... Again, it's just system. It just seemed weird. It, I wouldn't say... Look, if we probably done all of our players in a 100-metre relay against all of their players, I'd, I'd probably say we would win. But just the, the system and having them so far away from each other, the combinations were just were just not good. And look, again, you can't blame Freddie for something as complex as combinations when he's had one training session. But I, that that needs to be sorted. And, and as Swin said earlier, and playing when Aubameyang can play on the left and Ozil can't really play on either wing, Playing Aubameyang on the right, where he truly is bad, just, just that—that that is something I'll question him for. Um, but yeah, just get him closer. Just get him closer to Lacazette if you're going to play the two of them. And and I think that takes away your need for blinding athleticism. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's difficult to sort of find any problems in there. So I'll swiftly move on uh, to Hakon's last question, and this is for you, Tez. What kind of manager profile do you guys think would be the best fit? And if you have any names in mind, uh, don't shy away from throwing those out. I think we've got to. I think we've got to look at our defence. Uh, uh, you know, and we've got to teach these guys how to defend properly because they're just not doing it. And it's a weakness we've had for two years, maybe longer. You could even say Wang, uh, Wenger's last season. It, it's you know, it just keeps going on and on. We bought in uh, David Luiz. We you know we've bought in Socrates. We've uh, so people. You know, well, we've always said maybe it's the system, but I'm starting to think, well, maybe it could be a few of these players. Um, they just don't know how to defend, or they're not very good at defending, or, or something. So, somebody defense defensively. Uh, look, Mourinho was obviously that bloke that I thought may get the job because of, you know, he, he's very good at that. I, I don't know who's who's out and about that. You know, the names that have been thrown about, Allegri, um, who else is there? Eddie Howe, he was another one. Brendan Rodgers, I've seen people throwing that name around, just, just sign him today. But but are they defensively-minded managers? I, I don't know. But I, I want to try and set up. I'd like to see Arsenal set up a bit more defensively. We've got Pepe, we've got Aubameyang, we've got Lacazette, so we've got plenty of attack there. But it's the defence that just lets us down every single game. Who is your your Raul? Who are you approaching right now? Who's your first choice? I was going to ask this anyway, but obviously uh, the questions come up. Uh, Poch is who I'm, I'm approaching. Who's your number one choice, Schwinn? Same for me, Poch. Go get him. Yeah, same. I mean, I think apart from the ones that, that have, have been banded about uh, and Tez mentioned them, uh, it's really difficult to try and get someone else. I mean, I know, Tony, you're a big fan of Nagelsmann. Uh, and I, I look towards the German league and, and try and find uh, suitors there. And th- there are a couple. But I wonder how difficult it's going to be mid-season to try and get someone out of there. Uh, with Poch's situation, I think it's... It, I mean, I obviously don't know the specific involved in the, in, in the contracts, etc. But I think he would probably be the most suitable, and not just in terms of profile, but in terms of situation, which is obviously a big deal when it comes to mid-season changes. Yeah, yeah, no, I agree. He's, he's 
it's not just like some people are going, oh, yeah, I don't really want him, but it'd be funny because it pissed Tottenham off. Even had he been at someone that wasn't Tottenham, but achieved exactly the same results in the last few years, he he is my number one choice. I think he sits, he gets the best out of pretty much every player he works with. They may switch off of him after three or four years, like Deli Ali clearly did. But to be honest, I think we've got to stop looking for that manager that can be there for 15 to 20 years. That doesn't exist anymore. So you look at someone that gets the best out of their players for three years, and I'm happy with that. Also, if it's rumoured, well, if with the rumours that we're struggling financially or we don't really have a transfer kitty, he's he's perfect for that because he improves players so much. I mean, you look at some of the players Tottenham signed and everyone laughed. And and they they turn out, I mean, look, Ali, five million turned out to be worth much more than that. Kane was already scoring when he was there, but like fucking Sissoko was the biggest mm. laugh ever. And now he's a bona fide, like, I still wouldn't take him at us, but... He's a. You don't laugh when you see him on the team sheet anymore. Son was always been good, but I mean, recently it's just looked unreal in the last year or so. And I, I believe he could sort of set our team up to play very similar to how he played with them. Use Aubameyang as a nine, use Pepe to play as the Son, but on the other side, uh, it's not just the the laugh at Tottenham thing, which obviously does help. But I, th- I think the fit is very good. I think to add to your point, even someone like Ericsson, who, you know, you could, if you want to really bracket players, you could sort of bracket him with someone like Mezit. And initially, uh, he disciplined Ericsson and he started getting a lot more out of it, not just in terms of output, but in terms of work rate. And we all know Ericsson has turned out to be a pretty good signing for them ever since. So he's not just someone who relies on, on structure, but also someone who can be a disciplinarian. And that, that's something that we could benefit from, I feel. Well, the last, you know, there's a lot that he brings to the table. Absolutely. In the last three, oh, look, probably last three, four seasons, you know, when we play play the um, North London derby and y- y- you watch it thinking, shit, this could be a game we, we may well and truly lose. Prior to that, I don't know about you boys, but it was always a derby, but I was never... I never was as nervous as I have been in the last probably four, three to four years. And that Tottenham team, he, he done, look, he done great things with it. And they, they weren't, apart from Harry Kane, who I think is probably one of the best strikers going around. But uh, prior to that, prior to him, like, let's face it, they're not, they're not all superstars in that team. It's not like a Barcelona or something. He got the best out of them. Mm. Just before we move on, uh, I don't want to dwell on this for too long, but if Poch was not an option, do you guys have any second choices in mind? I I don't know if I have a standout second choice. I have a lot of choices where I wouldn't be angry. I've I've seen, like, Nuno was obviously linked very strongly, and I've seen a lot of people say they really wouldn't be happy with it. I'm not saying I'd be running around in the street dancing and getting Nuno on the back of my shirt, but I really wouldn't be disappointed. I think he's another person that comes with great structure. Um, he he makes the team fit his mould, and I, I believe we've got the players to fit his mould. And, I, I mean, the, the biggest excuse people are with their counter-attacking team, but they're not. That's such a lazy comment. They're counter-attacking the team when they play United, City, Liverpool. And, and by the way, they get results against pretty much all of them every season. I think Liverpool were the only team. they Oh, no, they beat Liverpool in the Cup. So they beat every one of the top teams last season or or got at least a draw off every one of the top teams last season. And yeah, they're counter-attacking them games, but they're coming, they were coming up from the Championship and spent 
no money in comparison to what Liverpool, City and Arsenal and Chelsea were spending. Um, so I don't see that too negative criticism of him. As I said, I'm not saying he's like a, yes, go and get him, snatch him from them. Um, I'd prefer Rodgers over him. Um, I, obviously, I saw Rodgers' press conference today where he said he had a release clause. I didn't know that. Would, again, he's not another one. He's not one that I'd be running out, going and paying release clause straight away. But I wouldn't be angry if he came. I'd be, I'd be quite pleased. Uh, probably similar with Allegri. I think Allegri. I'm not sure if it's just because it seems more probable that I'd be a bit more excited by it, or it's a bit more exotic. He's won things. He's, his name is bigger around Europe. I know Tez isn't a big fan. I've, I've not seen enough of him week in, week out to say if he, if he fits well or not. Um, obviously, every time I watch the Italian league, they were winning four or five nil. You watch them in the Champions League, they're getting great results. So I'm, I'm, I'm basing it off of probably only watching probably less than 10 full 90-minute games. But I would say he's probably my second choice. But there's, there's quite a few choices that I wouldn't be disappointed with. I'm going I'm to um, <laughs> say a couple of names that only because, look, obviously uh, Poch is my first choice. I want a manager who's, who's managed in England, who's done the hard yards, mm. who, who knows, who can speak English for starters. I'm actually looking at an Eddie Howe. And only because, mm. only because Bournemouth, like, let's face it, realistically, do we think they're going to still be up in this level? Um, he has done marvellous things at there at Bournemouth. I, I don't think, I never, I thought maybe one season then I'll be back down. So I never thought, what have they been up for three, four years now? So he's type of one that, look, I'm not going to be running out and going, hey, let's sign Eddie Howe. But if he come in, well, I'd think, well, hey, he's, 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 he's English. He, he, he can communicate with players. He could probably get the good, you know, good best out of the players. And yeah, he, he's not a bad choice. Brendan Rogers, I'm... It'd be another one, Nuno, um, as Tony said. But Brendan Rodgers, I just don't know with him because obviously he, he rose to the big challenges and, and obviously at Liverpool and whatnot and then went back down, down and down and down. Uh, you know, obviously then got a job at Celtic and let's face it, that, that Celtic, uh, they're no mugs of a team. So I just wonder whether Brendan Rodgers is that type of manager that can prove himself. I'm not saying Arsenal are a shit team because I still like to see us as a top six team, but we're struggling. <laughs> and I don't know what discipline Brendan Rodgers brings to the table. So I think this current run with Leicester has done wonders for his reputation because if you asked when Emery took the job, who wants Rodgers? I'd, I'd, people will lie now, but I'd imagine at the time 99% of people would have gone, no, no chance. Yeah. Had one good season with Liverpool, blah blah blah. This this run with Leicester, and I know it's probably not it's not even been a year yet, but he has improved them massively. And you look at them, you watch them now, and like say for example that you saw that they had City at home next week, you wouldn't be going, Yep, yeah, City are definitely gonna win that. I, I now look at them as a team that on their day, I, w- I wouldn't be surprised if they beat a City or a Liverpool. Mm-hmm. And I guess you've got to give him credit for that. But it's just I, I think this short even though it's only been such a short spell has done wonders for his reputation. Probably more than what that season at Liverpool done for him because they had Suarez, who was playing unbelievable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a good team. And, and, and look, even at Celtic, so, uh, you know, when he... What did he... Two, there, two years there, he was at. So, or was it one and a half? No, anyway, I can't remember. But um, who else? Uh, 
Oh, I... Burn, the Burnley manager, uh, Sean Dyke. Sean Dyke. I, I, I don't know. I, that was maybe another name I'm thinking, but fucking am I scraping the bottom of the biscuit barrel, you know, <laughs> like with those yep, guys. Yep, that's exactly what you're doing. <laughs> <laughs> I really like Sean Dyche, but I wouldn't go anywhere near him for Arsenal. I also wouldn't go anywhere near Eddie Howder, So Yeah, yeah. I just want a guy just who before we can quickly communicate. Move on. Well, Shrim, what about you? Because we've answered. I mean, I, I, I seriously consider Eddie Howe. Uh, I, I said this before we got Emery, and I'm, I'm a big fan. I, I understand there's a bit of an issue with, with terms of stature and coming into the Arsenal, you know, he, he may not be the highest earning. He will not be the highest earning person in the dressing room. And that can sometimes lead to a tussle. We often spoke about uh, who's going to outlast, uh, you know, who's going to be at the Arsenal longer, Mesut Ozil or Emery. And more often than not, it turned out to be Mesut Ozil because of the finances involved. And you could easily make that argument in the future if something goes wrong in the dressing room with Eddie Howe. Having said that, I'm, I'm a big, big fan of, of the guy, uh, just for the reasons that Tez just said. So I'd, I'd consider him. Uh, but before we move on, just a quick one-word answer. Arteta or Lundberg? Oh, Jesus. I have to say Go Arteta. On, Tony. I have to say Arteta. Okay. Uh, right, Tez, Arteta. One word. We don't know, <laughs> we, don't, we literally, like, we've never seen... Well, we've seen Lundberg manage one game, and it's unfair to judge because... We've always used that excuse of, oh, it wasn't their team. This is the ultimate of not being his team. And we've seen Arteta manage zero. I said last week on here that Arteta's always linked with clubs that he's previously been at, Rangers, Everton, City, us. So everyone must really highly, like, hold him in high regard, all, all the players he's worked with and all the backroom staff he's interacted with. But as fans, we don't get to see that. So we are basing our... Arteta, our thoughts on Arteta's ability purely on just what people are saying. So I, I, I wouldn't know how to answer that. I, like, give them both a season somewhere and I'll give you an answer. But at the moment, I, I don't know. My only reason That's I fair. said Arteta is because, you know, when you do an apprenticeship under Pep, uh, Pep um, <laughs> you, you, you come with a bit of more than you, you, nothing against Freddie, but, you know, you just come with a bit more. Yeah. People people say that, and that's a lot of people's reasons for choosing Arteta. Who who was Pep's last assistant before that, and where's he now? And who was his assistant before that, and where's he now? Like it doesn't guarantee yeah, just because you work yeah. for a genius yeah. doesn't mean like Brian Kidd was there before Arteta, and I think in Arteta's first year he was ahead of Arteta. Arteta was like third coach, and Brian Kidd was assistant. I'm not seeing anyone ask for him. Not uh, probably ninety nine percent of people don't even know who he is. Do you know what I mean? It's, yeah. It could he could be brilliant. I'm not saying he's not, but I just think saying well he's worked under Pep, which seems to be the only reason anyone has for him, mm. is like oh, so what sort of thing? Like I said, where's his who is his assistant at Bayern and where's he? Who is his assistant at wherever and where's he? He probably has had some that have gone on to be managers, but it's that it doesn't automatically go. Oh, you worked under a genius, so now you're a genius. That's not how it worked. Otherwise, we'd have just have a conveyor belt of, of managers. I think it's, I mean, I, I agree with you completely. Uh, but having said that, there's there's two things we should remember that at Barcelona, of course, Tito Villanova was the one that uh, followed Pep. And I think he was the assistant. And he went on to do good things and then, of course, tragically pass away. Uh, at Bayern, however, I'm not quite, I don't remember who the, uh, the assistant was. But uh, in All or Nothing, which was the Manchester City documentary that came out with Amazon, 
Uh, Pep actually mentions that Arteta is very central to some of the tactics, not just the the, the, the relationships with players, but even to tactical uh, you know sessions and and enforcing new tactics, studying opponents. Arteta was very central. Now we, we don't know to what extent he was he was a part of that, but there seems to be even within the city camp uh, that's been publicized. There, there is something, uh, there's a very important position that Arteta holds. Having said that, once again, we don't know how much of that's going to translate once he is the man calling the shots uh, as, as the manager, because then he has to delegate all of this, uh, something that Arteta hasn't quite done yet. So I, I agree with you. I think there's there's a lot more that we need to see from, from both of them, from Freddie and from Arteta. And I mean, to Freddie's credit, he's actually been in a manager before. You know, I know it was with the academy, but he's actually done it before. Uh, as opposed to Arteta, so it is a bit of a, a coin toss, and you know, it, ideally it'd be neither. But I just thought it'd be an interesting discussion, so I threw that out there. Yeah, and also, uh, I mean, Arteta won a cup with us, but in general, I think that was the only trophy he won in his career. He might have won stuff with Rangers, but that don't really count. So it's you know, like you were saying with Eddie Howe, they can that questioning they own more than him, but with Lundberg, no one can say to him, "Well, what have you done?" Because he can go, "We'll see that yeah. gold trophy that no one else has ever won." Yeah, I done. <laughs> Mm. Whereas yeah. Arteta is like, oh, well, you won one FA Cup. Oh, yeah, brilliant, mate. Well done. Right, I've got five of them in my bed. I actually, yeah, that's a good point. You boys, we we'll are talk, obviously talking about assistant manager. So I had to have a look at this. Um, did you mention Brian Kidd, Tony? Yeah. 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 He, he was actually, and I didn't know, so uh, he was actually an assistant manager to Alex Ferguson as well. Yeah, yeah. He was so, Ferguson before. Yeah. When you actually saying, put it like that. that one, yeah. Uh, <laughs> He's, yeah, but that's what I'm saying. He's been a he's been under Pep, under Ferguson, and no one ever thought that's yeah. the geezer we want as manager. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. Okay. Uh, interesting. Okay. All right. Let's move on. Uh, another regular uh, MWA gunner says it's obvious that the constant change in partnerships are damaging our defense. Tez, what back four in midfield would you play game in game out? Socrates. I'd have to. What's happened with holding? Fuck knows. Absolutely no idea. Like, wasn't in the squad today. Wasn't in the squad today. Is he apparently not injury injured. or what? No. No, not on the injured. Well, not that we're being told. Hmm. Right, look, we 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 type of done a thing on. I think at the start of the season, like who was our pairing? I, I probably said at the time, I, I like Chambers there somewhere. Um, maybe I've changed my mind now. I'm probably thinking Holding and Socrates. Like they're the type of the two uh, who I think should just continue. You know, a Chambers. I like Chambers. He's he's done all right, Chambers, but he just has that. He has a silliness in his game at times, and we've seen it. We you know we've seen it uh, yesterday or today. So they're probably my two. Was that the question? Uh, back four and midfield. Oh, back four. So, obviously, yeah, Granite Torreira. Um, I like this journey, kid, even though I was a bit late to the party with you, but, you know, uh, but I like him. So, he, he starts there, uh, holding Socrates in the centre, and you have to go Bellerin on the right. Tony? The only change I'd make from that as of right now is I'd have Louise instead of holding as of this moment. Uh, but what I would say is just tell Socrates you don't have to play football. Like, if because he started off last season, he was our best defender. Like, you get the ball, you kick the ball, it's fine. You're, you're not a cultured centre back that's going to be sliding the ball into midfield. 
if you've got time on the ball, fine, make the, the simple pass. But we see him getting caught time and time again. And then his confidence gets affected because we roll it out to him from goal kicks and he's trying to thread a ball into midfield that he just can't do. That's fine. Just defend. Just be someone, head it, kick it, smash it. They, they're your jobs. That's all we need from you. With them instructions, that would be my parent. And then you've got Louise that can bail him out of trouble. Um, I think that the midfield needs to sit slightly deep, deeper and I, I would go Torreira and Granite as well. I mean, we're going to get hammered for leaving Guendouzi out, probably by you, because I know you love Guendouzi. But <laughs> I... I, I, I I, I've been saying it for a while. I think he causes us more problems than, than the positives he gives us. Tony, just on well, that, though, with David Luiz, do you think he's a better, because I, I agree with what you're saying, but do you think he's a better impact player off the bench? I don't think uh, any defender is ever an impact player. Okay, just because he... he I think he, if you're trying pass. to be an impact player as a defender, you should leave and go to a club that you're you're a star. Hmm. Okay, no, just because he, he, you know, he has that... That great through balls and great passing ability in his game, and he, he does offer you a lot more than other a lot of other defenders cannot offer you. So he's yeah, he he could almost nearly play as a midfielder. Yeah, look, he's he's, he's half decent at holding midfield. I just think, I think especially if you are going to play out from the back, and I don't think we're going to be as we was with Emery, where it was your only option. You have to play out from the back regardless. But we are still going to try and play out from the back. And I think you have to have someone who's able to to ping that ball 30, 40 yards in between lines and pick out a man. Holding's passing is decent, but it's not it's not Louise's level, if we're honest. Um, and mm. I think if you're going to have Socrates there as a head it, kick it, smash it, then you need someone that, that can play that cultured, a bit more, force the ball through to midfield needed, clip it out wide if needed, play in behind if needed. And, and he is quite good at that. I think if you get other defenders around him as well, I, I don't think... I don't think he's a big as a, as big a liability as people think he is. He's going to look at in this Ars- this current Arsenal team, but I maintain that you could probably put Mustafi in some teams and he'd look quite good if you had the if you had people covering him around him, uh, and and like defend a, a decent shape. I think anyone that you put in this current Arsenal centre back pairing, I think anyone would look calamitous. Right, it's hard, hard to disagree. Yeah, hard to disagree with any of that. And yeah, Tony, you were bang on. I, I'd throw in Gwendouzi. Um, instead of? Instead of Granite, for sure. For sure. Um, nothing to take away from his performance today, but that's that's what I would do long term. Your hatred on Granite's just uh, very sad, Mike. Very sad. Shroom was booing him. Uh, when he got subbed off, Shroom was booing him. How did you know? I wasn't even in the stadium. Yeah. Uh, let's move on swiftly because we have a lot of questions to get through and uh, I'm going to throw this back to you Tez and then the next two can go to Tony so MW Gunner once again should we be looking for a right back if so should they be an upgrade to Bellerin or a backup to Bellerin in my opinion he's not good enough and it's looking like he'll be getting injured quite often uh, the poor bugger like, I like Bellerin I, I like I like what he offers, but he's he, look, he's he struggled through injury, hasn't he? Let's face it. How long will it take him to get back to the speed and the best that he was? And will he ever get back to that? Who knows? Um, he's questioning on another right back, though. I'm racking my brain as I'm sitting here and I'm thinking, what's a right back going to cost you? And I agree, we need another right back, but at what expense? Are we, are we, you know, are we talking a, a seventy million dollar player? Are we talking a ten million dollar player? I, I, or 
pounds. Um, that's my only issue. I, I, for me, you need a backup for Hector. But then you've got Chambers who can play right back. You've also got Maitland-Niles who can play right back. And people are going to say, but Maitland-Niles isn't a right back. I think there's other places in the in this team that need fixing before we look too much at a right back. Yeah. Jay, the, the next question sort of ties in with this, uh, and it's about Mental Niles, uh, MWA Gunner once again. What are your thoughts on the rumor that he's having attitude issues in training? So can you sort of combine those two questions and give us a response? It's, um, I, I knew that was going to come as soon as he's out of the team. And it's something that, like, there's questions. Why wasn't he in the squad on Thursday? Why wasn't he in the squad today? especially when you knew Hector was going to be out for both. So you thought him and Chambers would split them games and they haven't. People have always questioned his attitude. So I knew that a story would leak from someone saying, oh, his attitude's terrible. And there you go. As soon as the squad's announced, one of the in the nose knows that Maitland-Niles' attitude is terrible. Shock fucking horror. I, I, he is much better suited to the way we try and play at right back than Chambers. I like Callum Chambers. I'd have an argument if he played there. If he'd have played the last five games there, he would have probably been in my two as as a centre back when we just done who is our who should be our solid back line. The only reason he's not is because he's not played there enough. But as the way we're trying to play, we get our fullbacks high. Chambers, I mean Maitland Niles is much quicker to recover. He crosses a ball much better. The only the only area is as a right back where he's slightly weaker. Well, not slightly, a hell of a lot weaker. Is he's not as tall, so he's not as good in the air. But we never ping goal kicks to that side of the pitch anyway. And I think Raul Jimenez beat Chambers at the back post for Wolves equaliser against us. And he would have beat Maitland-Niles there. So that one strength, I don't think, has come into anything. And it sounds a bit harsh on Chambers because bar today, I don't think he's been bad. I just think Maitland-Niles is much more suited what we need to do. And I, I don't know. Look, maybe it is his attitude but that's keeping him out of the squad. But has it really changed in the last 18 months? And, uh, I mean, that story coming out today was the least unsurprising story to come out of Arsenal since fucking well, Emery being sacked. Yeah, yeah. That takes care of two questions at once. Fantastic. Uh, last question from MWA Gunner. Why do you think we set up as a diamond today? Did we? I don't think we did. Oh, uh, yes. For you, well, 4 3 3. Uh, not quite a diamond, of course. Bezid maybe drifting in every now and then. Maybe that's what MWA saw. But why do you think we set up the way you did? Is that an answer? <laughs> <laughs> it is. It's, it's, a, it's a tough question. It really is. Uh, it, it, no, but the answer is I have no fucking idea. It was clearly fucking wrong, and we knew that as soon as we saw the team sheet. Yeah. <laughs> why do I think? I, I don't want to say Lundberg's an idiot because he's been there 10 minutes, but why do I think? Because he ain't got a fucking clue what he's doing. <laughs> well, 24 hours. Let's just say 24 hours before people get start getting pissed with us. Did uh, I? And did I see, sort of. Did I see correctly that there was a um, Freddie out trending? Apparently, I I, re I read that about an hour before we started recording. That yeah, I did. As soon too. as the team sheet came out, there was a Freddie out hashtag trending oh, somewhere. Jesus Christ! Well, another good friend of the pod, Gunnar Jim, also chimes in with something uh, according uh, you know related to that. He says disgraceful. If this was an Emery team, you would all be calling for his head. Hashtag fuck Freddie off. Also great to have you back, Tez. <laughs> um, well, let's face it, we would, wouldn't we? 
There, there was loads yeah. of people in the ground saying that. Exactly. Loads of people. In, and not, not fuck Freddie off, but let's not pretend this team he's reinvented the wheel because had this team been announced on Thursday, we'd have all been moaning. Yeah. Just, just, yeah. I think it's also fair to recognize that this is more Emery's team than it is Freddie's team. I mean, it's, it's, as I said, it's been 24 hours. The man needs a bit more time before he can sort of inflict his own identity into the players and onto the team. So I, I agree. If this was Emery's team, we would be calling for a Z, as we have been for the last few months. But at the same time, this isn't quite Freddie's team yet. So we sort of have to recognize that and caveat our yeah. response with that. My, 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 my counter-argument is you're completely right. It's, no, it's not even close to being, being Freddie's team. I think you're not giving him enough, enough credit in a sense. But it doesn't have to be your team to know that Ozil is a 10. And as I said, as much as I like him, if you're not playing him at 10, don't put him on the pitch. And mm-hmm. I assume there'd be questions on it, but because I haven't so far, I'm going to get onto it now. The substitutions were fucking horrendous. Mm. Can someone tell me what Saka has done to be ahead of Pepe? Okay, maybe he's injured, whatever, they don't like him. How the hell is he ahead of Martinelli? How the hell is anyone ahead of Martinelli at this point? I think Martinelli's done more in five minutes than fucking most of the players done in the game. All I can put it down to, Tony, is, and nothing against Freddie, he's just walked into the job, right? But I just don't think he knows what what kind of players they are. He hasn't well, worked with them long honest, It's more of a dig. For me, it's more of a dig at Emery, to be fair. Because, look, Freddie worked with Saka all last season. So, okay, you know what you can give him. Uh, you can. I don't agree with it, but I can see the reasons. For what reason Emery had, was playing Saka ahead of Martinelli, I got a clue. I mean, I'm at the point where I, I think it's going to be hard to leave Martinelli out. And I don't even know how you fit him into a starting lineup. But mm. if you gave me the game again today, I'd have Martinelli. In the positions they played, I'd have Martinelli over Ozil without hesitation. I'd probably nearly have him over Lacazette. Because let's face it, Lacazette's been... I, I can't say that because I'm getting <laughs> I'm not allowed to be negative about Lacazette. Well, mate, it's Lacazette's not saying I don't been... absolutely agree with you, yeah. but I'm not allowed Well, he's been poor last... I just, you know, and let's, we, we, we touched on that chance uh, today, in today's game against Norwich. And... He's just, I don't know, his head's down. He's, he hasn't got the energy. He's, he's poor. This Martinelli kid, mate, he's, he's fucking give me every chance I've got. I, I, I would, I'd be benching Lacazette. Have a sook on the fucking sideline, you cunt. As I said, in, in today's team, I would have, the way they shaped up, I would have started Martinelli over, um, over Ozil and, and let him run on the left. Hmm. But it just, I mean, as I said, all of the subs, I mean... He went more negative, obviously, took Willock out and put, and put Torreira in. And it was like, well, why have we done that? And then I didn't really know where anyone was playing when Saka came on. He came on for Guendouzi and it was, OK, I thought that Ozil was going to go into a 10, but he didn't really. It was just all a bit. And then Martinelli came on and he start, He was actually a 10 for the first minute or so. And we were sitting there thinking, what the fuck is going on? And then he kind of switched left, but it seemed like Saka was also on the left. I don't know if Saka was meant to move into the middle and it just didn't quite happen or it didn't transpire like that. But, again, it rings of the Emery subs where you're looking at it and think, what what have you done? Not why have you done it, because everyone has their reasons, but what have you done? Like, why? What has gone through your head? What was the thought process? Look, you said earlier in the pod that, you you know, three games is probably too much for Freddie. And and I, you know, three, three games, you type of want to be starting to see somebody else come in and, I agree with you because my problem is with Freddie is just not enough experience 
and I think he's going to go to your Saka, your Willocks, your, your younger players that he knows um, knows well, and and you know he so he's probably going to go back to his strengths of them players. I don't mind that if he's got the conviction to do it. So if you're going to do that, don't start Ozil on the left. Put put Willock in. Put Saka in. At least he's a natural left winger and instead of Ozil there. I think today, I don't know, look, maybe he's just not had enough time. And I feel like I've been really critical of him on here. And I don't really mean to be because it's not fair. He's not had long enough. But I think today was a, a, such a half and half. Like he's put Willock in because he knows him. And he's done well for him. Even though I thought Willock was quite poor on Thursday. And like it's kind of like he's gone half and half. If you're gonna if you're gonna go with something, go with it fully. And if you're not gonna go with it, don't go with it fully. Do, do uh, you I think they well, really half and half? Yeah, I agree. Do you think though, if he left Özil out, would it be uh, he doesn't like Özil now? Um, Emery didn't like Özil. Like, probably, but that shouldn't matter. If you're hmm. if you want to be a manager and this is how you see the team setting out. And you want the team to play in a certain way, and Ozil doesn't fit that. You can't pander to him. And again, this is coming from someone that likes Ozil and would have him in the team, but only in in a certain setup that suits him. I know you're right that there would be the Mona, another manager comes in and drops Ozil, blah blah blah. But in that setup, you're better off without him. And I mean, I assume Shrim would admit that as someone who would lick Ozil's arse off if he'd let him. <laughs> I mean, I agree that in the in the right sense, he should have been left out. But I think Tez's point is a bit more real that he has to sort of play him for, at least for the first game. And if he's not good enough, then you have a reason to not play him the next week because you cannot let that become the talking point but then irrespective of how the result goes on. But then it goes back to the Emery argument of are you setting him up to fail because he's never going to play well there. You could play every match for the rest of the season on the left wing, you won't have a good game. You totally could, but I think you need a bit more sample size to to make that argument. One game may not be enough, but if we see that in the next game and then maybe even in the next game after that, then yeah, I think there is scope for that argument. One game, perhaps not so, because you could argue that he saw something tactically. It didn't work out, but he saw something tactically and thought, well, let's give this a go for, for that one game. Cost of two points. The end of the What's day. new about that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I think it was all wrong today. It was the the whole set, you know, like, and I so don't want to be critical of Freddie, like, one game in. Well, this is where uh, you can just, forgive him for his selection because, as I said, he, he's got players that played 90 minutes on Thursday. It's not, he's it, it basically picked what he can, really. Mm. This is where on Thursday, I think we find out a lot more about him. Mm. If Pepe and if doesn't he does the return, same again, if Pepe does, if he does return, the same again on Thursday, they need to get him out the door ASAP because you can't go picking half and half teams or just picking Emery's team. Mm-hmm. You've got to be be your own man. If you're, if you're coming in as a caretaker with someone who apparently has aspirations to get the job long term, be it now or in a year, you've got to be your own man. You can't be a clone of the guy who just wasn't good enough. Yeah, totally agree. Oh, Schwinn, uh, let's go on swiftly. Uh, Zurupa Bob uh, chimed in with a question which you guys sort of t- talked about in this question uh, about Pepe, Saka and Martinelli. So thank you for your question. We will move on to the next one. Uh, Cosmin Buta, two-part tweet. So try and keep up with this, Tony, because uh, this is coming to you. Slight improvement, a bit more desire shown from the players. We were a bit quicker with our passing going forward. Uh, at 2-2, everything went chaotic. Not sure why, no Pepe, but I guess there has to be a good reason behind it. 
don't think we can play with two strikers at the moment. Norwich played rather okay. It was a well-sewn team with developed patterns and relationships. This was a match I never expected us to win easily, and I believe that is that this was a game we would have lost with Emery in charge. Any comment on that? Uh, I, I kind of argue about the, the good football bit. I thought we started off, I thought the first 20, we looked as good as a football insider as we've looked in a long, long time. And then he says the game got chaotic at 2-2. We got really, really shit at 2-2. That 20-minute that period or whatever it was was an absolute shambles. I don't know how we didn't concede. Because should have conceded about 10 seconds after. I think it was Campwell hit a ball on the stretch that just went wide. And then obviously Leno made two or three very good saves. Uh, I mean, it's very easy to say we would have lost this game under Emery. And then it might be right. We'll never know. As I always say, if my auntie had a cock, she'd be my uncle. It's... Norwich are, it's difficult because you say, like I just went to say Norwich are a good team and and look, they played well today, but they're not a good team. They're second bottom. They beat City and pretty much haven't beat anyone since, apart from a struggle in Everton. Watford's only win was at Carrow Road. Watford have won one game this season. They're going to be on their third manager of the season by tomorrow. And that one win was at Norwich. So we can't, look, Norwich did play well today, but did we let them play well? I don't think we can come out of this saying, oh, yeah, good team. It's a good point. It's absolutely not a good point. Under the circumstances, maybe it is, but I don't think we should be changing the narrative to a point that Carrow Road is not a bad result, because it is. <laughs> I agree with you, but fucking hell. <laughs> fucking Norwich City. The, the drop in expectations is, yeah. is so, so it drastic, is, isn't it? Have you seen it's that? Look on Twitter and they go, oh, not a bad point away at Carrow Road. And I think, fuck off. <laughs> I haven't seen like, it. Yeah. <laughs> not, not, not a single one of our play- their players would get in our team. Oh, and sorry, I just got to mention, he, he says we can't play two strikers together. Well, we didn't anyway, because Bamiyang and fucking Lacazette like, were playing in different postcodes, I think. Yeah, but how many um, that, how many it. times? Like, let's go back twelve months. How many times were calling for Bamiyang and Lacazette to play together? How many fans they can were play calling together. for? Absolutely, I think they if can. they play up front, they can. Just not with ah oh, the one the wing, if, one on the wing. Yeah. Even if Bamiyang plays on the left and he's slightly tucked in, we've seen that happen loads of times, and it's not ideal, but it works. It, it's mm. possible because Bamiyang's always going to get in at the back post anyway, and he's close enough to Lacazette because he's tucked in. Playing on the right, he doesn't want to tuck in because he can't use his left foot. So he stays really wide. I was as close to the pitch as he was most of the time because I'm on the touchline and he's on the touchline. The linesman was fucking... He was marking the linesman for long periods of that game. He's never been great on the right. And and as I said, because he wants to stay on his right foot so he ends up on the touchline, the gap between him and Lacazette is even bigger. Then Ozil's not making the run in behind the other side because that's not his game. He's not going to run in behind. He's not quick enough. That's not his style. Mm. And you just end up with three players that are nowhere near each other. Or Lacazette holds it, gives it to Ozil, but then Lacazette stood still because he's holding it. Aubameyang's 60 yards away and you're relying on Guendouzi to try and break from midfield. He's got one goal in his career. And you're like, <laughs> how is this ever going to work? Tony, who would you, give me your ideal formation for yesterday's game? What I, I would have gone four two three one um, with Ozil at ten, Pepe, Lacquer, and Aubameyang. Obviously, we don't know about the Pepe situation. Um, mm. We've got to believe he's fit because he's been on the bench the last two games. Yeah, it's weird, strange. But I mean, even in the pub before the game, we. I thought that's, to be honest, we all thought that's what he would do because we thought, look, he'll just get the fans on side. 
if we if it had done that and lost, we wouldn't have been like, oh, he's gone to attack him. We'd have been like, oh, look, he's come in. He hasn't had enough time, but yeah. he's tried to get us really attacking, really on the front foot. He's tried to batter them. That's the Arsenal style. That's what we want to see. And we would have accepted it. I, I genuinely believe we'd have accepted a loss if he would have done that. Mm. Do you know what I mean? You'd say, oh, look what he's trying to do. We yeah, he's trying something. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, I agree. I agree. Um, so, yeah, I, I think literally in the pub, I don't think there was anyone I spoke to that said anything other than that. Mm. No, I agree. Hard to disagree, mate. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to rewind the discussion just a bit because that sort of ties in with uh, the question that Rudron sent in. And Tez, why do you think that Arsenal and Aubameyang are paying the price for carrying Lacazette, he asks. Uh, why does Alba have to be so deep and wide? What has Lacazette done to be higher in the pecking order? I, I don't know. I, I, look, he was a player of the Arsenal's player of the year last year, photo by fans. I don't know whether they take that into account. I don't know. Um, I think we struggle. It's, it's it's a fucking good headache to have two outstanding strikers. Like let's face it, uh, when Lacazette came to the club, we we're all clapping a new beauty, and then Abemyang came, and it was like holy shit. Now we've got two star strikers. I think. It's hard to leave them out, but how do you fit two strikers in? So I think it's just a massive headache for whoever manages Arsenal. I just, like, they're two different players, Lacazette and Aubameyang, but you've got to try and put them there together. And the way that we've, we're using the both of them is, is wrong. It, it's, it's we, you know, they've, Aubameyang on the right or the left, doesn't matter where he is, he's, he plays his best positional striker. And I think we looked at some stats last year when Aubameyang came in, and I think it was more more goals as a striker, you know, something like that it was. He, he's not a winger, so I don't know. You can add something to it, Tony, if you want, but I just I think that's a problem we have. Yeah, just, I mean, just going back to answering the question is what has Lacazette done to be able to make Aubameyang the one that moves? I think it's as simple as that Lacazette can only play there and Aubameyang can half do a job. Well, I'd say he can half do a job on the left and quarter do a job on the right. He's someone that can stand there because he's relatively quick. Whereas Lacazette, you can't play him. I mean, there's always been, and I'm, I'm including myself in this, there's always been theories of sort of try him as a 10, but we've never actually seen it happen. So where, while we've seen Aubameyang play in other areas and still have an impact, I mean, look, you, you two both gave him your free today, even though... He was on the right, whereas if you play Lacazette anywhere else but nine, he just wouldn't do anything at all and wouldn't be in any ratings, apart from maybe a 10 where there's speculation, but we've never seen it. I don't agree with it that, that Aubameyang should be the one moved about, but what do you do with Lacazette? Do do? Complete yeah. Drop yeah, I mean, I would probably say yeah, but then Lacazette got our player of the year and I'll be absolutely lynched for saying that, like, your people, they will get tweets tomorrow saying, I don't know what I'm on about. And that may be true. But <laughs> do you, I, I, do I mean, you... Look, no, personally, to be honest, that's wrong. Personally, I play them both together as strikers. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. if you're only going to play one of them, I've said this a million times, it'd be a Bamiyang. And if you're going to play both of them, and but one of them has to play out of position, then it is always going to be a Bamiyang because he's able to play elsewhere. Not as good, but he's still going to get your goals. I said he was dog shit today. He got two goals. Mm. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah so on the right. What's the heart? They'll see that as what's the harm in moving him if he's still going to get the two goals that he probably would have got as he played up front. But for me, you lose a hell of a lot. You lose hopes. If oh, 
and we're going to sound like we're fucking hate like a Z here. But I, th- I think as I, as you said, you know, you got to play both of them together. I think, I personally think Lacazette should be sold. I think you've got Martinelli, who is who's done nothing wrong all season. He's bite, he's biting at the bit. I think now's the time, either January or the end of the season, you sell Lacazette. There's talk that we don't have money. There's talk we don't have much of a transfer budget. There's talk every year of that. There's talk that we can't pay $14 million or a million pounds for Brandon Rogers. We, you know, so... What do you get for Lacazette today, or come January? But I think, just going back, I don't know, um, but going back on, on what we were just saying, I think part of the frustration today is with the players on the pitch, we could have at any time very easily switched to a 4 3 one or the, a diamond, a 4-4-2 with a diamond, like a MWA Gunner suggested. We had the players on the pitch, we could have done that comfortably. And it's a bit worrying slash annoying that at no point did he think this isn't really working. Let's just move Willock slightly deeper or Willock to the right, Guendouzi left and put Ozil at 10 and move the other two up front. It is doable to get them both to play together. And that would be my first option before selling Lacazette, if I'm honest, Mm. Um, because you're only one injury away or a game where we can't get in behind and you need someone to twerk on centre-backs and put his arse in them to hold the ball up. But I don't know what he's worth. I don't know. Mm. Yeah, I don't know. Any thoughts on any of that, Schwinn? It's 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 difficult. I mean, look, I I think we we all agree that Aubameyang is the better player, and in terms of goal scoring, he he's the one we need to rely on, uh, especially if you have to choose one of the two. Uh, but we have to also consider getting our best players out there, and as Tony said, it's it's simply a lack of ability when it comes to Lacazette in terms of dynamism. You you just cannot deploy him anywhere else. And and that's why he, he gets the gets the nod ahead of Aubameyang. For me, the bigger question remains: Why is Aubameyang on the right in the first place? You, know, you if you're going to play him and Lacazette, at least play them either close enough so that, as Tony said, they're not sixty yards apart, mm. or or let him let Aubameyang play on the left and you shoehorn Mesut onto the right if you're not going to play him as a ten. That that's the obvious thing to do in that department. But that that question that that selection today is very baffling. You know, it goes against everything we have seen. And as to Tony's point, Lindbergh should know that coming into the game. It's it's something that even a fan that doesn't watch the game but follows it on Twitter a week in, week out would know. That that's not how you go about setting up your front three. So that there's a lot of difficulty in answering, answering this question because Lindbergh got that wrong. And if this is a pattern, then you could argue that he's setting up Meza to, to fail. And to an extent, Aubameyang is going to... Uh, have to suffer because of that as well. Well, he can't keep doing, you know, he can't keep Özil on the left, Aubameyang on the right, and and Martinelli, like for me at the moment on form, he should be ahead of Lacazette. So the question I would be asking is, how come Lacazette's getting in ahead of Martinelli at the moment on form? I know it's price tag, but Lacazette, he's been I, very I, I poor. I think it, it, in slight defence of Lacazette is well, a lot of defence of Lacazette. It's, it's a different option. Martinelli is not going to hold the ball up. And Lacazette does do that very well. So it's giving you a different option. As I said, my, my, uh, in what we played today, Martinelli would have been playing on the left for me. And then even if you've not started him, he wanted to try Mez there for whatever, if he did see some tactical reason, the very first sub would have been Martinelli. I mean, he ended up coming as the last sub and then starting off a 10, which is weird. Mm. But 
I don't know what it is. Maybe they want to ease him in. I know we always hear that with young players, but he doesn't seem like the type of player that wants to or needs to be eased in. So seems like he wants to be up to battle and fight and, and get involved. And they're happy to play him 90 minutes in, in Europe. I was saying that, he got subbed off the other day. That was saying that as a different manager. When he got subbed off the other day, quite bafflingly, on Thursday, there was a few people in the ground. Well, there was only a few people in the ground anyway, but a couple <laughs> of them... <laughs> <laughs> a couple of them were thinking like, oh, maybe that means he's gonna he's starting on Sunday, like because he was our best player. So people have, oh, we've seen enough of him. We've given him fifty five minutes or whatever it was, rest him for the weekend. Maybe that was the four plan, but then Emery got sacked. We don't know. Oh, also, just at, at half time, and I saw Charles Watts tweeted this um, as well. He wore, Martinelli warmed up with the coach, and like which usually means you're coming on within five minutes. You're either coming on at half time. Or you're they're giving the players five minutes to sort of fix it, and then you're going to come on if they don't. It was very weird because he must have just asked the coach to help him warm up. He didn't warm up with the rest of the group. He done the most active warm up by far, and then ends up going and sitting on the bench for another forty minutes. Really strange. Very odd. All right, I'm going to pause here, boys, because uh, I got to go. Uh, but uh, <laughs> is it possible if you take over questions, Tony? Yeah, one sec. Let me load. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I, I messaged on the group like uh, about five minutes ago. But That's all right. My, my, my deadline's approaching. Oh, good, mate. Oh, good. Oh, yeah. I saw you there. Oh, good. Well, we'll you have a good one, Schwinn, and we'll catch up with you, buddy. For sure. Thanks I'm for not, having I'm me not on. Sorry I've been missing, but I'll, I'll, I'll try and make it again as soon as possible. You're right. I'm not okay. editing this out because I'm too lazy, so just continue on. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. Sorry, Cheers, boys. Enjoy the rest of the show. Right. Uh, so, obviously, I'm now taking over the questions, but I think the order he must be seeing a different order to me. Okay. So I'm just going to read questions out, and uh, maybe we've listened to them, maybe we haven't. Uh, Sandeep Singh says we seem to have improved a bit in, in possession and reduced the number of shots we faced. Fans are looking for a scapegoat as always. Yes, Musti and Louise could have defended better, but I I do understand why he played them. Give Freddie some time to apply his way of playing. Thoughts? Yeah. How much how much time do you want to give Freddie? How many points you're willing to sacrifice? How how often you know? How much do you want to slide down the ladder? I don't get the Mustafi at all. I, I just it baffles me. I don't get the Pepe at all. I just. The team that he put out, any other manager, and we've already said it, we would be critical. I, I got that's about it, mate. I got nothing else. But yeah, it's just very, very strange. Yeah, I, I think this isn't as I said before. This is a bit of an in between where we can kind of let him off a bit because he's had a day, and and I think this is where Thursday's really telling. If he does the same sort of thing, he he needs to be out. I don't. I'm not saying Freddie out. I just mean we need a, another manager asap. I'm not. I'm not saying again. I guess it's the same thing as saying Freddie out. But I'm, I'm sitting here being honest. Don't want to be our manager long term. No, it's experience. Yeah, we want an not. experienced manager. Um, Years ago, so you this, made, look. Let's let's face. Arsenal took a risk with Wenger many many years ago, as we all know. Now, hey, it paid off, didn't it? Does lightning strike yeah. twice? <laughs> Not even that. Wenger, we we took a risk, but Wenger had won leagues in France. He he was doing good things in Japan. I know Japan's not a hotbed of football, but he he he'd been a manager in top leagues. Mm. Lundberg ha- hasn't done anything, and look, I want Lundberg to stay at the club. I want him to be the number yeah, two. Yeah, yeah. 
and, and in time he can be our manager. Um, so, so it just goes on to the next question. Sandeep again, thoughts on giving Freddie till New Year to improve the results? Arsenal should have lined up their successor to Emery several weeks ago when Josh and co were already discussing Emery's departure. Uh, the, succession, the succession plan is appalling. I'm going to go on what I said earlier. I'll be very disappointed if uh, Lundberg is manager. I said three games, but I think Man City is our fourth and they won't want to give a new manager Man City as the first game. So I, I will be disappointed if he is our manager come in four, four more games. Uh, well, no, sorry, three more games now. Um, I I had a feeling based on absolutely nothing, and I think I'm now wrong, that um, they hadn't let. There was always all these rumours he's going to add this guy to his backroom staff, that guy that he's going to bring him in, and then they basically just gave him Mertesacker, who you don't need to give him a contract. Mm. He's already at the club. He's there. Um, yep. So I thought they. My thinking was they've already got someone. Basically, it's just not the the eyes are not dotted and the t's not crossed yet. So it will only do a game or two. There's now rumours that tomorrow they're going to announce a couple of backroom staff, one of them being Robert Perez, who, although he practically lives at the training ground, mm. isn't on a contract. The, 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 that, the, what's difficult here is if they start handing out people contracts, then they're not going to be bringing someone in. Like, Are they going to really bring, say, I don't know, whoever, just Gilberto Silva, are they going to bring him in? And then in a week, get a new manager and say, oh, by the way, you're going as well because a new manager doesn't want you. It's very strange. Probably not. So if they let Lundberg build a backroom staff, I don't think we'll get a new manager. And unless they bring in, as I said, Pires is, 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 will probably go on a pay-as-you-go sort of thing. So he's not a problem. Mertzak is not a problem because he's on the wage structure anyway. It's if they start bringing in outside people, I'll start to worry because, as I said, I, I don't want Lundberg as a, as a manager for for any length of time, not now. You've got, my problem is, is, what do we got? 21 points sacrificed in December. You've got Brighton, West Ham, Manchester City, Everton, Bournemouth, Chelsea, and then 2nd of January, Manchester United. So, <laughs> yes, I'm not confident. Like, I'm not confident of Chelsea, I'm not con confident of Everton, Man City, Man United, I could nearly say West Ham as well. And I look, you might you might jag a win against Brighton. So come December, we could be well and truly down the down the ladder. And then what are we going to be going? Oh, that's Freddie's fault. I don't want that. Like I don't want to be. Oh, it's Freddie's fault. It's Freddie's fault. You know, get him so out. So the damage is long term. If oh. we think he's going to be a manager in sort of two or three years, but if he has a disastrous eight game spell now, yeah, then he suddenly loses that option to be a manager in two years because everyone will just remember. Oh, remember that spell? Remember that? Yeah, eight games. Yeah, yeah, so I feel for him. I said I want him not mainly for his sake. Well, for our sake, my sake as a fan, our sake as a club, his sake as a as a potential future manager. Mm. I want him out of that role as quickly as possible look I'd love him to succeed I want everyone to succeed yep. but from what I think will happen I would rather him out the role as soon as possible to be honest mm -hmm. um, moving on FPL Canada why would Freddie adopt Emery like values poor team selection still playing out from the back late substitution and wrong ones too if Freddie's here until the summer will stumble into 7th or 8th and no one will be renewing their contract is there dark days ahead I mean it's pretty much what we've been saying mm, dark days ahead the problem, look, if no one renews contracts, that's very, very dark days. What do we got? Lacazette and Aubameyang, both due, are they? And a few more. 
Uh, they've got a year and a half. I think. Okay. Okay. Um, Sugar Daddy Clay, how come we struggle to uh, replicate the defensive performances of 2014 to 2016? We didn't need world-class budgets then. Um, what are we missing from the system? Did Bold keep us more defensively sound? I think, I think I think Santi's a big one. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, we had we had defenders that complemented each other perfectly. Mertesacker was slow, but he very rarely made a mistake, and and he led the line very well. So that is, I would say, part of a system. Um, was rapid, and he could nine times out of ten cover Mertesacker's lack of pace, and Mertesacker could cover the reading of the game. Yeah, we also had Coquelin who was at that time was very limited but because of that it was actually a blessing because he would just stay in front of the defense because he couldn't do anything else and that sounds like a criticism but it's not it made him perfect because he knew he couldn't do anything else so he just done what he was good at Mm. his problem started when Santi got injured and then he thought he could play football as well like no (laughs) and 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 you're right on the other side of the thing we very rarely turn over the ball because Santi was so good at keeping it Mm. that teams very rarely had quick attacks on us because you give it to Santi and you knew he'd get back um, without here. Now, at the moment, it's like they could nick it and they're running on goal, where Santi's pass completion was was crazy high and he could play all types of passes, which is probably the issue we have at the moment. Santi could play long, short. He could play at both feet, which made things quicker. And you'd say between the players now, they can do that thing. Xhaka's short passing is not brilliant, but he passes the ball very quickly in terms of how fast he kicks the ball and his long-distance passing is good. Gwenduzi probably doesn't progress the ball quickly enough but moves quickly with it I think you mould them all and we had what we had in Santi but we had only one guy doing it then mm-hmm. uh, I think all of that is part of the system I, I don't give any credit to Bold for that and that, that's nothing against Bold I just think that was the, the types of players we had that were suited to it yeah totally agree mate uh, do you think there was an improvement connecting the midfield to the attack I can't tell if it was just a result of having an extra player in midfield and losing up front or if Freddie actually changed the play a bit. Seems like there was more quick passing and movement in the first half. Nah, I don't think so. I didn't notice it anyway. It's, it's, it's a weird one because I kind of agree and disagree. I thought we I thought we did move the ball really well in the first half, but I don't think the link between the midfield and the attack was good. I mean, even in the first half, when you look at the chances, OK, there's a penalty and there's the one from Lacazette that I mentioned, but that came from a deflected shot. There was no the midfield linking up with the attack. So I think I, I agree and disagree with the question at the same time. Uh, Halls of Marble, surely Mustafi should never play for Arsenal again in a Premier League game. Neither should Louise. <laughs> what is our actual defensive recruitment policy? Am I the only fan who doesn't mind Xhaka starting? His shot versus Palace is reprehensible, but why can't, that, why can't he be re- uh, rehabilitated? Uh, I, I like Granite. Thing. Yeah, do you know what? Granite was so clearly the captain on the pitch today. I know Aubameyang had the armband on. Jack mm. and I, I think Freddie's brought him in to be the leader on the pitch. It was so clear. Like, as I said, I had people around me that you know are the type of people that hate Jacko. And, and they couldn't find a bad word. Even when he gave the ball away, it was like, it, he was so clearly the one that's trying to dictate play and... and tell everyone where to be and the one that's bollocking people when they need to, encouraging people when they need to, mm. the one that puts in a flying tackle when it needs to happen. There was one occasion, I think it was the Pookie chance where Leno made a good save, where Gwenduzi's just got a foul, whoever it was running past him, you're never going to get the ball. And we see him do it against Zaha a couple of weeks ago. 
Yeah. And he's just not done it. He's just let him go. And everyone in the crowd was like, what are you doing? And Granite went up to him after and presumably said, what the fuck are you doing? Like, Granite... He's a true leader. Granite's a leader. There's no doubt about it. I, I've, look, I've long argued he's a better captain than he is a player. And I know mm. you might disagree with that because you love him as a player. But I, I think his leadership, maybe not in ability, but his leadership in terms of being vocal and and whatnot is is second to well, it's the best in our squad anyway. Yeah. Um, surely, I mean, his question about surely Mustafi and Louis should never play again. I mean, they're gone. and this. Uh, I, I would hope, and look, we've done it before. Both of us have said players should never play for us again. Yeah. So I'm not <laughs> going to hammer him, but I would hope this is just one of them reactions that has come straight after the game, and he's gone, ah, oh, they're shit. They should never play for us yeah, again. Yeah. Yeah. We we've done it. Yep. Yeah. Um, but if he's being serious, he's going to be severely disappointed because they will both play for us again. <laughs> uh, Who was that? Uh, Halls of Marble. Ah, okay. Yep. Uh, so Josh, and then a load of numbers after his name. Um, I think we really lacked whip today. Missed Uber when he when he was our whip. Could Bellerin provide more than Chambers? With fill with fullbacks up, maybe Torreira midfield for more balance. My argument would be that Aubameyang played so wide that a fullback wouldn't be able to overlap because it'd be going off the pitch, which yeah. makes him very difficult. I think yeah. Uber on the right causes us more problems than it is ever going to solve. He's because too you can't wide. He's too wide. Back. Yeah, because he doesn't want to cut inside. Uh, Halls of marble. This may be controversial, but I don't think we should have Aubameyang and Lacazette. He'd sell Lacazette, to be honest, to retain Aubameyang and have a fluid attack similar to Liverpool or even Spurs. Is it overkill to have both Lacazette and Aubameyang? Obviously, we <laughs> I said it. I said it earlier, didn't I? Yeah, I mean, I think again we've come to different conclusions. I'd start them both. You would sell sell Lacazette, no. um, but there's no right or wrong answer. No. Um, again, Halls of Marble. He has mixed views on this. The performance wasn't great, but Freddie is only a caretaker. So does it make sense to be livid? Surely, it is a case of the more things change, the more they stay the same. Yeah, I mean, oh. as long again. I, we're giving him a pass because we're assuming he's a caretaker. Mm. This, I, I really, I can't say it like make it more obvious. I really don't want him here for like six months, unless, as I said, I want everyone to I, win. I, so I just worry it's going to be a Manchester United thing with Ollie. Like, yeah. that's my only worry. Like, let's face it, Ollie was never going to get the job. He was there as a caretaker, and because he actually, well, they go on a few few wins and he got the results. Really yeah, yeah, good run and. They made top four last year. No, they no. fell off as soon as they offered him a contract. That's right. Yeah, then they offered him the contract based on the current form, and oh, Jesus Christ! So that is my worry that they're going to do with Freddie. But like, I mean, it's difficult. I know, I know, we like to laugh at United and whatnot, but it's difficult because if Lundberg now goes on a ten game, if he goes unbeaten until January, day, the January the, the first, it is here, second for you, and we've got Man United. I won't be sit- I probably won't be sitting here and saying, "Oh, we should get rid of him." So it's a difficult one. If he has a really, really good spell, I, I just can't. I don't think he will. I don't expect it from him, which is why I want change sooner rather than later. But it does. It is difficult when you get to that position. As I said, it's exactly the same with Chelsea. They didn't want Di Matteo. He's won the Champions League, and you can't sack him. Tottenham. Tottenham got when they got rid of Podge. They had Mourinho lined up. And yeah, but I, I think that was the Arsenal plan. But Emery was so bad that they there was no harm in getting rid of him now, uh, I, I, because they've said that they had a meeting on Sunday or Monday in America, depending on the time zone, where they agreed to sack him. They kept it between 
I think they said Edu, Vinay, Josh and Raul were in that meeting and they didn't tell anyone else because they didn't want it leaking to Emery. But they agreed, as I said, either Sunday or Monday, depending on where you are in the world, that they that they agreed to sack him. So I think that was Arsenal's plan because Tottenham, um, they, it was in the international break, but they sacked Pochettino on the Monday. So they yeah. told him on the Monday he was sacked. And then they announced it on the Wednesday night very late, 8pm. And then 6am on the Thursday morning, they announced Mourinho. Mm. So... They'd obviously already had it signed and they just kept it quiet. The reason we couldn't do that is because we had games to play. Because they was in the international break, they could sack, okay, sack them on the yeah, Monday. Right. That's what so, I was going to ask you. Yeah, no, that's because as well the players run international duty. Yeah, it wouldn't have been abnormal for him to not be there, like on the Tuesday and Wednesday. And then as I said, they announced it Wednesday you night. You think anyway. we should have sacked him international break? He was probably yeah, yeah, yeah. Probably dragged on it too long. I was saying that way before the international break. Yeah, yeah, I um, know. You were, yeah. And you had time and you could have agreed to try and get whoever your target was at that time. Uh, Essex Gunnar, Essex Gunnar, um, who do you want as, your, as our next manager? Rafa or stick with Freddie till the end of the season and get Brenda, I assume he means I've seen Rafa. I've seen Rafa come up a few times. Um, I contract's think... off in January. Well, no, it's not his contract. It's the end of the Chinese season in January. Well, okay, because I was going to actually say... Keep in mind, Rafa has never broke contract. Hasn't he? No. Bit of trivia for you. People will be I know Wenger. <laughs> hey? I know Wenger never. Yeah, who has Rafa? He's never broke a contract. So... I don't know, I don't know if he's only on a one-year contract in China. I just know that he's uh, the season ends in January. Hmm. Okay. But, um, I wonder what he's on. One day long he's on. Yeah, I mean, I doubt he only obviously came in in the summer, which is late for them because he was in the Premier League with Newcastle. So I doubt you don't bring someone with that stature, considering the league they're in, and only give him a six-month contract. So I'd imagine he does have a longer contract, uh, but I don't know. Yeah. I'd like um, him. I'd like. I, I would take him quite easily. Yeah, I mean, he wouldn't be. He's one of them I'd put in the bracket of maybe an Ancelotti, where I wouldn't have the. Again, I wouldn't cry if they're manager, but they would they wouldn't be on my list. Mm. They they would be the type of guys I'd go to if the guys I wanted weren't available. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, so yeah. I like, mean, say you wanted Poch and Allegri, and they didn't take it for whatever reasons, then they yeah, would gotta be have your, your next course. Yeah, yeah. It wouldn't be I'm gonna go and ring Rafa straight away. I wonder whether then. Well, he saw, there you go. He signed a two-and-a-half-year contract on 2nd of July 2019. Yeah, I knew it would only been there. Like six, yeah. Well, it would be six months, January. Um, yeah. I think that's it for the questions. When I took it over, I don't really know where Shrim was left, so I've been scrolling through them, and I think they've all been read. I've got I've one in the WhatsApp group that I've just come across. I'll, tr I'll read it out. Uh, it's from Clay. Uh, how can we struggle to repli replicate? Oh, that's the same one. Oh, you've read that, have you? Okay. Yeah, yeah, he, he says at the bottom as well. Sorry for a duplicate question. I posted it on Twitter too. Okay, cool. Right. Okay, um, just quickly before we go, so we've got Brighton coming up. You confident at home? Nope. Nope. Uh, no, look, I wouldn't be confident with us against anyone at the moment. You can't be. From what we've seen since basically October now, end of beginning of October, sorry, you can't be confident with us at the moment. And also Brighton are decent. Yeah, they're not a bad time. Um, I mean, I'm not expect them to come and beat us but I, I can't say I would go and put uh, money on Arsenal now I wouldn't yeah. walk into a book yet, to be honest neither would I you, but I'm going to touch on 
what do you think, because I want to get it before the, it's actually announced, <laughs> what do you think the lineup would be? I oh, know it's hard. Maybe I should say, it's what would you like it to be? <laughs> we don't know Freddie yet. Otherwise, yeah. What, what we've seen today is an, is an Emory lineup. And maybe it's just he didn't have time. I would expect something very different, but we don't know. It's, it's like, do you know what I mean? When you've never seen someone do anything before, mm. it's like walking into a 100 meter race and saying, trying to predict how many seconds this guy's going to run when you've never heard never, of him. Never seen him, yeah. Yeah, it could, it could be a sumo wrestler that it takes half hour to do it, or it could be. Usain's Bolt's faster brother. Like, hmm. you know I mean, we, we, we really don't know. I, said, I, I could tell you what I would do, which is what I would have done today and gone 4 2 3 1 with, with Pepe Ozil and Aubameyang on the left and, and, and Lacquer up top. And I think that brings a feel good factor. It scares any team. And it may be a case of, well, they'll fight fire with fire. And you might concede a, a load of goals and try and outscore them, try and win 6 5 sort of thing. Um, but I think it put the fear factor into teams. And it would get the fans on side. Mm. That that's what I, especially if I only thought I had a few, a few days, or a few games. A few sorry. games, yeah. As I said, I don't think any fan would moan if he'd done that, because you know what I mean. He's, he's trying. trying. He's trying. Yeah. He's trying. He's trying to do stuff. Um, just had a quick look. Bellerin holding is injured. Day to day, it says. I didn't know that. Oh, it was just on the on foot foot mob, so they do the injuries. Yeah, Arsenal haven't mentioned yeah. it on any of their injury updates. Yeah, okay, yeah, it just so foot... like Sabios is out. Hector was was out, but a bit yeah. closer. Yeah, and there was one other that wasn't holding. Yeah, okay, yeah, it says here Sabios, uh, mid December, Bellerin yeah. day to day hamstring, Rob holding day to day. Yeah, no injuries. Oh, mate, that's about us, eh? Yeah. Righto, uh, everyone. Thank you for listening. Thank you for downloading. Follow us at Clock and Underscore Talk. You can get us on all good podcasts, apps, iTunes. You, uh, we're also on YouTube and everything else. So that's it, mate. We'll catch up um, after Brighton. Friday. Yeah. Too easy. Righto, mate. See ya. Mm-hmm.